the God of all comfort. And we're going to talk this morning about dealing with loss, dealing with loss. I was praying this week, and the Lord was just impressing upon my heart that there are a number of us, and if you're not here yet, you will find yourself in this place at some moment. We, as we go through life, we encountered seasons of loss, right? Now, that's a pretty broad category, and we'll talk about some of the things that can encompass, but we as God's people, we as people, we deal with loss. And I, I want to look at a, this passage of Scripture because I think there's some things here that can help us to navigate the inevitable losses and some of the grief and some of the, the pain that we go through as a, part, as a normal part of life based upon the Word of God. Now, 2 Corinthians is actually the, uh, probably the fourth of four letters Paul wrote to the church at Corinth as he's engaging them in, in the process of correction and, 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 uh, and they're kind of vying back and forth, dealing with some issues, and he's kind of, he's kind of bringing some closure to this volley of correspondence after some of the issues have been healed. In the book of 2 Corinthians, one thing I want to point out going forward is, and that is that there's this one word that appears 20, about probably 29 times, and it's the word comfort. It's the word comfort. A Greek word, parakalao, which, which, which means basically to, to come alongside. And so in, in a bunch of places in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to, uh, to, to his audience, he writes about this issue of comfort. Uh, now, the thing about loss, everyone has or will encounter loss at one time or another, right? Would you agree with that? Uh, if I were to do a show of hands, I don't intend to do that. I'm sure that all of us can identify that we have been through stuff, and loss is kind of a, a part of life. And what happens is that we find ourselves in a group like this today. We find ourselves at different stages in dealing with the various things in our lives. And so we're all at different places, right? We're, we're at different stages of dealing with our griefs, with our hurt, with our losses. But I want to remind you of one thing this morning, and that is that God is, and we sang about it today, God is not only all-powerful, but he's all-faithful. He's faithful, he's powerful, he's compassionate, he's caring, he's loving, and in when I was coming up, I remember they would just, there was a, 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 a kind of a hymn chorus, and I remember the last line was, he will carry you through. I didn't say he will necessarily just walk with you through the trial, but he will carry you through. You understand what I'm saying? How many of you know what it's like to be carried by God? You know what I'm talking about? You remember the, the, remember the, uh, the, uh, the whole, the, the little poem about footprints in the sand, and it was like, this guy, I guess he had, I I'm vaguely remember this from the 70s, right, or something. But this guy saw, he had a vision, and he saw these footprints where Jesus was walking along with him. And then, and then after a while, the other footprints disappeared, and, then he just, and it was just one set of footprints. And then he got back, so he's like all bummed. I said, Lord, how come there was only one set of footprints there? Because, you know, he thought that Jesus had, like, ducked out on him, right? I'm going to go with you a little while, but I'm, okay, you on your own. The Lord told me, he said, that was the time when I was carrying you. That's why there was only one set of footprints. And he carries us through our griefs, through our losses, through our struggles, through our, our trials. And he wants to do that. And this morning, we want to make sure that we understand what his promises are to us in, in that regard. Life is full of losses. And, and, and whether you're realizing it or not, get this through your head. Nothing in this life is permanent. Right? Nothing in this life is permanent. You can lose your, you can lose your, your money. Any of y'all lost any money? You can lose your job. I know some of you say, oh, I thought this stuff doesn't happen to Christians. <laughs> what? You know, you, you can, you, you, you know, people, you lose your relationship, you lose your marriage, you can lose friends, you can lose all kinds of stuff, all kinds of losses. And you know, when we were kids, there were these fairy tales. Remember fairy tales? Some of you still living in fairy tales. But there were fairy tales. I didn't say veggie tales. Fairy tales. You know, these stories. And, but the one common denominator, because your mama had to read them to you before you went to bed, so they had to end well because otherwise you'd be terrorized. Uh, and so, you know, it would be like, you know, Hansel and Gretel or whatever, whoever it is. But the, you know, there was this one line that was, that was really common at the end of fairy tales. Remember what it was? And they lived happily ever after. You know what I'm talking about, right? And there are a lot of folks that I, if you come to the church and give your life to Jesus, you will live happily ever after. If you become a Christian, all your troubles will be just, will just float away. And, and, and you know what the reality of it is? The, the truth is that 
we in Christ will live happily ever after. But that doesn't necessarily start today. We, in, in God's eternal kingdom, in eternity, we have the promise of, of, of unlimited bliss in the presence of God and all of our needs being met and all of evil being banished. But in this life, we will suffer losses, right? And so there, there are a few things I want to give you with regard to this from our text that will hopefully help you to uh, help you to navigate the inevitable losses that you face or maybe what you're going through in this moment of your life right now. And the first one is this. Understand this, and I hope you do, that bad things happen to good people. Listen to these words. And I'm going to jump down in 1 Corinthians, the first, 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. I'm going to jump down to verse 8, and I'm going to go back and look at the first paragraph or so. But this is what he writes to, to the Corinthians. He says, and this is Paul, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. So we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. This is an apostle writing, okay? So that we despaired of life itself. When you get the feeling that way, you're, you're often in actually good company. He says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf, for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now, this, this passage here, Paul is writing because he wants his readers to understand his hardships that he's experiencing in his own life. You see that? He wants them to understand that he's going through the same stuff that they're going through. Sometimes we like to keep our stuff to ourselves because we don't want people to think that we go through it with that the same things they go through because we, you know, hey, you know, I'm no, you know, and, and, and we suffer silently, don't we? But Paul says, I want you all to understand. We do not want you, he says, to be uninformed. We want you to understand what we've gone through. And he wants them to understand a few things. Number one, hardship affects Christians as well as non-Christians. Now, if you've been taught that being a Christian means that you, that's the end of, of, of hardships, right? That's the end of trouble. Uh, somebody, you need to, you need to kind of go back and rethink that. You might have been mistaught or you might have misheard uh, because, uh, you, know, the, you know, the blue skies and all that stuff, that's, that's, that's nice rhetoric. But the truth of the matter is bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to godly people, right? And so... A Christian, as we said, Christians lose their job. Christians get caught up in the recession. Christians deal with the effects of the, the surrounding economy. Now, we, have, we do have other resources, and we believe that God is a provider. We believe in miracles. We believe in favor and all that stuff. But it's not to say that we don't experience the same things. Christians in, in, encounter sickness. Somebody knows what I'm talking about this morning. Christians encounter the loss of their health, the, the, the breakup of marriage, the loss of loved ones, and some of you are going through that right now. And it's not because you are a bad person. And I know that some people struggle with this stuff because there is this kind of uh, retributive thing that people will sometimes, if not explicitly, they will sometimes implicitly suggest that maybe there's something wrong with you, that this happened to you. There is a gross misunderstanding often that leads us to believe two wrong conclusions. The first is this, that all of the bad things in life happen to me because I am bad. It's not true. And the second one is parallel to it, that all of the good things in life happen to me because I am good. Neither one of those statements are absolute truths. Neither one of those statements. Statements is true by itself. And so, but we, when we're going through, we're, we're sometimes conditioned to think that, that, that it is because of something we've done. And then sometimes when things go well for us, we stick out our chest and that's because, you, know, you know, people tell you, you must be living right. If somebody tells you, when, you know, if you, if you get a, a blessing in your life, you know, you get a, a bonus at work. Do they give bonuses anymore? 
If you get a, if you get a, a check in the mail, if something goes in and somebody says, you must be living right, and you tell them, it ain't that, it's the, the grace of God. It's that, tell them, like our target would tell them, is this grace all over me? Amen. Now, God blesses our, our faith and our obedience. Now, make no mistake about it, but it's, you know, it's, but some of you know that it, sometimes when you were not at your best, God was always at his best and still reached down and blessed you in the midst of your situation. I, see, I can't explain all the tragedies of life. Uh, you recall in the book of Job, Job and his buddies, that was their big, their big um, endeavor was to try to hash out all the, the reason why these things happen. And Job's friends are trying to say, dude, why don't you just admit it that you messed up? It's your fault. And you should just come clean before God. And Job had this existential challenge. He said, I just, I, I was doing what I thought was the right thing. And they go back and forth and back and forth. You know how we do, right? And in the end, God shows them and said, where were you when I made all this? All y'all need to just sit down somewhere and let me talk. See, I can't explain, and I want, I, want to, I want to appeal to you because, again, we live in this world, and there are things going on around us that are, that are heinous, that are, that are horrible all the time. And as Christians, first of all, don't feel compelled that you have to have an answer for everything with regard to the why, because we don't know. We don't necessarily know. I can't explain all of life's tragedy, but there is hope in the midst of whatever tragedy and loss that we faced. And so we've got, we've got just to you know, understand that, that bad things can happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And then the second thing is this. We need to deal with the grief that we face in our lives. I said, deal with it. Don't worry, I want to have you turn to your neighbor. People hate that. But just within your own spirit, say, deal with it. We got to deal with it. That's what Paul is doing in the text we just read. Paul is dealing with it. He said, I don't want you to be uninformed. I'm going to lay it out here. I'm, I'm going to tell you my struggle. I'm going to tell you what we are going through. I'm going to share with you how I felt about it. I want to tell you what truth we're standing on in the midst of it. That's what Paul is doing. He says, I'm going to tell you about the pressure. He talked about the pressure, the hardships, about the despair, and about the fact that he said we even despaired of life. I was at a point, Paul is saying, where I was about ready to check out of here. I was about, I could almost have given up. Some of you know what that's like, and, it's, and I appreciate I want to just say, and I, I, I want to say to, 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 to you, I appreciate you being honest, Joy, because first of all, that edifies the body of Christ. Because what you said, you aren't alone. You're not alone. There are a lot of us that are suffering silently. The enemy is out to get us, and, by, and you know, you, 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 you claim the great victory by speaking up and sharing and giving your testimony. Because the thing about it, we're going through this stuff, and and we can't explain it. And, and, and so we, we want to find the way out. Um, and, and, and here's the deal. The first step to healing. How many of y'all want to be healed? The first step to healing is dealing with the grief and the stress and the, and, and the, the sense of loss. And you, you have to, you, you, you're not going to be able to, to just push it aside. Again, I... I I, I, I've been really careful um, to not, and, and excuse me, because my, my, my daughter-in-law, Sister Carmen, many of you know, and I, please forgive me that I, I've been, I haven't said anything publicly about your situation because I didn't want to ex- exploit that anyway. I want to be respectful. But many of you know what, I, and, and Carmen was, many of you know, she was there at, at the San Bernardino shooting. She was in the meeting. She was in there. And God, by his grace, and, and I don't understand why the other people didn't get out. And, and I, I, I wept when I heard your story. I was over at Harbor College working, and I went over to the golf course to, to, to get some lunch, and I was weeping. And I don't know why in your case, but I was so glad. But yet I know that in, in, in the lives of those of you that have gone through and come through and, and survived, still you're carrying pain and, and still you're carrying guilt and still you carry the residue of that. But the thing that you have to do is you have to deal with it. You have to address it. The first step to healing is to deal with it. And that's what Paul is doing here. Then the third thing to realize, number three, is that loss produces profound and strong emotions. And so expect that. Again, Max is very emotional right now. <laughs> yeah, he feels what I'm preaching. Hey, you know what? 20 years from now, he might be up here. I'm going to get him a better. We're going to get him a better building, though, okay? But... but 
Loss produces anger. Uh, some of you mad, and but you, uh, you have a way of venting it with a smile on your face. But you, you, you are some, some, some folks are consumed by anger because of what they've gone through. And there's this deep root of bitterness within them. And they smile on your face, but they will cut you with their words when they get a chance. There's guilt. I mentioned it earlier. There's sometimes even, even when we're not at fault, we carry guilt for all kinds of stuff in our lives. You know what I'm talking about? There's worry. And worry is interesting because it, it kind of begins as we begin to deal with our experience our loss and our situation there we begin to, to worry and then there's this cascade of emotions that comes behind that including that of fear oh these are terrible times with regard to fear oh we've got to talk about that a lot going forward because oh the everything that around us is, is being is, is intended to to engender within us a sense of fear uh, we listen, we're in this election cycle, and the rhetoric that's going forth is, is, is all about fear. And it's about fearing events that will happen, fearing other nations, and fearing this, and fearing that, and fearing uh, ISIS, and fearing. And we have the, a healthy respect for the perils that exist in the world, but you know, it, it just begins to take hold of us, doesn't it? The fear of, of terrorism takes hold of our lives. The fear of crime. Every time you turn on your phone and look at the news, there's been several people. I think there was another one this last night or this morning. Several people shot somewhere. It's enough to, to, to fill you with fear because you wonder, can I go anywhere? I'll tell you what's scary in my neighborhood this morning. You know, when, when, you, left my, when you leave my house, did you go back to the 405 or do you go the other way? Because there's a, you know that church, a nice little church right there? Okay. This morning, and I had seen, it was probably, y'all know what the Westboro Baptist Church is? You know, they're the ones God hates than the pejorative word for gay people. They were protesting around the corner from my house this morning, and it was in the news that they were going to be there. At 182nd in Vermont, yeah. I mean, and it's, they had all these funny police cars with no lights on them and the lights, and so there, it was like a lot of people, and then they're going to go to Calvary Chapel, South Bay, and then they're going to City of Refuge, uh, and I, I wish they would come up in here. And you say, what would you do? I'd do what I think the church on the corner from my house was doing. They were cooking food in the park. I think they were going to bless them. I think they were going to repay their hatred and their vile uh, contempt for other people with kindness because they're the ones, basically, everybody's going to hell and, you know, everybody's bad, you know. And they're actually, they're actually protesting these churches because they're saying these churches are false prophets. And the church on the corner from my house is a Filipino Pentecostal church that came out of Foursquare. I actually visited there once. They're good people. They're, and, um, and, of course, Calvary Chapel South Bay Run. So, you know, but that group, groups like that, you know, they want to engender fear in the rest of the population. Be afraid of, uh, you know, people, be afraid of minorities, be afraid of the majority, be afraid of this, be afraid of that. You know what I'm talking about. Fear, depression. Oh, there's so much depression going around in, in, among us. These feel, all these emotions, all these feelings, they build up within us. And if we don't deal with them, then we will take longer to recover. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you were going through something and you shut up about it and didn't address it. And it came out five, ten years later in some other way and affected you. Sometimes when you least expect it. I'm telling you, there's almost nothing in your life that, that you leave unattended or untended to that just goes away. Everything has to be dealt with and addressed. And so you deal with it. You own up to your feelings. Don't let no religious people get around you and say, oh, just don't say nothing, but just confess the word. Yeah, you confess the word, but you confess the word while you tell the truth about your situation. See, I, I, that's, where, that's where we, that's, we believe in. I, I, I have a sermon in, in my queue on the idea of speaking positively. I believe in, 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 in the biblical concept of positive. I'd rather, be, I'd rather confess positively in the sense of saying what the word of God says. But that doesn't mean denial. That doesn't mean, you know, looking at stuff that's, that's going on in your life and, and trying to pretend it's not there. And, you know, it's like, it's like you go out and you got a flat tire. And you're saying, oh, in Jesus' name, my tire, is your tire? No, my tire is not my tire. In, I, my tire is inflated in Jesus' name. No, it's not. You're going to call AAA or get your hands dirty. You know, it's just, and with regard to your emotional life, we do this and we say, oh, if I just act like it's not so, it won't go away. 
You deal with it and then you apply the promises of God's word and the truth of scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God and the grace of of God in Christ. You apply that, but but you're real about your situation. It's nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the Bible where anybody acts like the the evil and 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 the ugliness and the failure and the sin and the trauma isn't there. It's always acknowledged, but it's dealt with. Jesus never went to, to a demoniac or a blind person or a leper and said, oh, you ain't really a leper. He went in and he dressed the thing. He said to the demon, he didn't say, well, that's not a demon. That's just, you know, you're having a bad. He says, come out yeah. to, to the sickness. He said, be healed. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. He has to curse the sickness and cast out the demon. He calls it what it is. And then, and then he can call those things that be not as though they were after he calls it as he sees it. And in your life, deal with the stuff that's going. Acknowledge your loss and be real about it. Number four, going on, going on. You with me? Mm-hmm, it's early. You should be with me. How many of you would agree with this? Some of us really do have a difficult time dealing with loss, right? Some of us are a little more adept at it than others. And here's some of the things we do. Well, the main thing we do, and this is really related to my last point, we tend to swallow it. Because they tell you, if you're a Christian, if you're, if you're shaved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, and that with a mighty burning fire, then what should happen? You should walk around with a smile on your face. Preacher tell you on Sunday night. If you're really saved and sanctified, you got the joy of the Lord. You should be jumping about your seat every, and you should, that's, you should, it's a good thing. But sometimes we're, we're, we're told that, that because we're Christians, we should walk around with this perpetual smile on our face and not be real and not be honest about our pain. What has to happen is we have to deal with it and then we have to release it and we release it by bringing it to God. But to bring it to God, you gotta, you got to deal with it as it is. And you share it with others. And that's what, see, I, I, oh, beloved, when, when we're in church and, and some of you start sharing your heart, that's when we're really, as they say, is having church. Uh, let me teach you for a moment. Because I know what they I went to Grace Chapel, and I was waiting for them to have church. You wanted somebody to jump on the thing. Hey, we have in church now. Hey. That's what it is. That's worship. That's praise. That's wonderful. But we're having church when we do life together. We're having church when we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We, we're having church when we share one another with one another, when we're honest with one another, when we allow our testimony and our, oh, I said I wasn't going to get all worked up today, Rosalind. <laughs> But, but we, we say we, we, we're having church when we, when, we, when we share our lives with one another and when we open up ourselves and talk to one another and pray for one another and care for one another. It's not just coming in here and, and having an experience. In, it's consumer religion. Let me go in. You can buy, we sell you a ticket. I can go to the movies and do the same thing. But, I, but when we start, when I hear, to hear the stories, to hear the, to hear the challenges, to hear the, the prayer requests, that's what church is all about. And I, I would challenge you in your journey to, to, to don't settle for anything less than that going forward. Because anything less than that, if you read the New Testament, it's not church. It's no, it's no, in, in the New Testament, nobody goes to a big place and takes a theater, a cushy theater seat and looks at two video screens and then, then walks out before, you know. No, church is intensely communal and relational. But you, so you've got to release it to God. And how you do that, guess what? I know you say, I'm going to release it to God. I'm going to have a little talk with Jesus. I'm going to tell him all about it. I'm going to shut in with God. But this is what you do. Many of you found, well, something was said today. It was something in Octavi's remarks about encountering the, some, no, it was, it was something about encountering the presence of God in the lives of God's people. That is like what it's all about. And I know some of you say, I, I'm talking to God. I'm, I'm giving my, my loss to God, but I'm like, well, maybe you might dare. And I know it's risky, right? Because when you open up your heart to other people, you can get hurt. I, you know, I took a big chance in getting married. My wife says, you think you took a chance. <laughs> because... Because at some point many years ago, you told me first what I told you. That you love me. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. In December of the year, it was really rainy. <laughs> Say you love me. <laughs> but we took a risk. She took a risk. I took a risk pouring out my life to her. Started dating. Dad hated me at first. And at the end, he really loved me. But he saw how, how real I was, right? No. But, but it's a risk. It's a risk when you open up your life to a friend. It's a risk when you have a conversation and you, and you talk real talk. It's, you take a risk. But you know what? Anything worthwhile in life is going to involve, it's going to entail a bit of risk. And so we, we have to be, we, 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 we need to be willing to, to open up our hearts and open up our lives to share with others because that's how we really bring it before God, often through the conduit of relationships with other people. And other people speak for God into our lives. Not everybody, and sometimes they will misspeak, but God has a way of talking to his kids about his kids among those in the community. He has a way of by our presence and our love and our listening. And th- if, if you're on the other end of this, this is what you do. Don't think that you've got to be a prophet over everybody's life. I'm, oh, if you, somebody says, I'm hurting. Well, let me see. God, I need a word. You don't need a word. Sometimes you just need to listen and hear and pat them on the shoulder and love them and be there for them and allow God to use you by your presence by your presence and by your compassion and concern. Are you with me? Galatians 6.2, I just quoted it when I was going off there. He says, carry, the old language says, bear one another's burdens. That's what we're called upon to do. And so Paul here in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, is uh, encouraging people to help one another in the midst of their sorrows and to comfort one another as they've been comforted. Now, go, I'm going to go up to the beginning of the chapter, verse 3, he's, this is what he says before what we read previously. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these words, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. Get that picture? And we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But, but see, what happens is, we do need the comfort. God comforts you. Someone put it like this. God does not comfort you to make you comfortable. He comforts you in, in order that you may be able to comfort somebody else. How about that? And so we, we need the comfort of others in our lives. But what happens is that we tend to withdraw. I've been a pastor for a long time. God's getting to where it's like longer than I care to admit. But listen, how many times have I heard somebody say, uh, somebody, when, we dis, when we go through stuff, we, we say, I, I, I'm going through something. You un, and I talk about this all. You understand how uh, illogical that is, right? You understand how anti-biblical that is, not to be, uh, to be disparaging. But it's like, uh, and I use this, I think we hit on this a couple of weeks ago in, in some context. It's like, uh, yeah, doctor, I would get it. I had an appointment with you, but I'm not going to be able to make it because I'm sick. Right. <laughs> when you are dealing with loss, when you're dealing with hurt, when you're dealing with grief, when you have suffered the loss of a loved one, when you've suffered the loss of a relationship, when something in your life has been broken and you're dealing with that loss, understand this. That's not when you run from those who love you. That's not when you run from fellowship and, 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 and duck and hide from God's people. That's when you in, instead run to God and run to the church and run to fellowship. And we run to God by running to the context of fellowship. So I'm, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. So, and we're called upon as well to deal with resentment. Is that, and, and you would say, you know what, you know, Charles, I, I, I don't know if I have any resentment. Listen, there's no time when we're more susceptible to, to feelings of resentment and bitterness than in times of loss. And sometimes they're kind of subtributes and we don't realize it. And there are people that have been bitter for years because of one loss that happened in their lives that went untended and un, unresolved. And so we have to deal with that, that resentment. Somebody put it like this, faith is not denying the reality of the loss Faith is refusing to give up in the face of the loss. You understand the difference? It's not denying the reality of what you've been through, but it's the refusal to allow it to take you out. I will not succumb to this. 
and I will deal with my resentment. Look what Paul does in verses 9 and 10, which we read. He says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Paul goes through all this and says, listen, we've been dealing with all these struggles, all these trials. It's been rough. We despaired even in life. But here's the deal. We made up our mind. We made up our minds about something. We made a decision. We, 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 we anchored our souls in a certain reality. And we decided this, that we have set our hope on the one uh, that will continue to deliver us. And so when you're going through, deal with your resentment. And one of the ways you deal with that in the midst of what you're going through is to embrace, dare I use the cliche? Was that what's stopping you now, Charles? An attitude of gratitude, right? And we be thankful. Because... One of the things that you'll find it'll take a moment to do is to regroup yourself and to, to consider the things that God has done in your life, the blessings that he's given. And in the moment of loss and trial, it feels like everything is wrong. You know what, I, you, you know what I'm talking about? I, I know what I'm talking about. My wife knows I know what I'm talking about. But I know those times when I'm going through something, or I've had a bad experience, or I've suffered loss, and it's like the whole world. You know, the woe is me syndrome, everything you know, nobody likes me and nothing is working out for me. I got these, all these, all these domains of my life. And in no, I mean, I sometimes I promise you, but there's nothing. It's like, you know, it's like whatever, whatever. It's not true because one thing about it, no matter what, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've lost in recent time, the one thing about it is that you have the promise of God being present in your life. I'm sorry, whether you know it or not, you need to be thankful for the fact that God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is always with you. Now, you can go back a little further than that and just be grateful about the fact that you woke up this morning, right? Uh, that's a good start because you can't fix the stuff that's wrong and if, you, if you ain't here. I would have uh, worked on that, Lord, but uh, you brought me home. No, it's like, thank God for another day, another opportunity. And I know you, some, some, sometimes we got to toughen up, right? Because we like, we get so fragile. I just can't go on no more. I just about ready to give up, you know? Somebody sat in my seat at the church. Oh, my God. Worst thing in the world. How can they do this? You know, but listen, re- remember this, that, that God is with you, that he's given you the gift of life, that you have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in your life who died for your sins and has given you the gift of righteousness, justification by faith in his blood, that you have the, the support of, your, your, of, of, of the Christian community. I know you may not be really tied in with a lot of people, but I'm sure every single one of you got somebody in your life that you can talk to, somebody that cares about you, somebody that will pray for you. And, and, and the other thing about this, you have indwelling you the presence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the, the, the one who comes along beside and comes within us, the one who's our teacher. We have the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to empower us, to encourage us. So we've got some resources. Don't fail to consider what you have when you're dealing with what you've lost. This is the fifth major point here. There's a several of them here. But allow loss to place life in perspective. In other words, when we go through loss, and I know some of you have been recently through things, one of the things that God can do, if we allow it, is to help you to see, through, in, in the light of what you've gone through, to see life a, probably a bit more clearly and a little, with a little bit, uh, uh, little bit, little bit more of a biblical and a, and a God perspective. In other words, one of the things that, that loss and that, that trials and that challenges do in our lives is they help us to define what is important what is really important, right? Some, some of you may have had some priority concerns or issues until you got sick, and then all of a sudden it's like, now again, I don't believe God doesn't send sickness, and God isn't punishing you when, you were sick, when you're sick. That goes back to the other point. But when we bind ourselves by, by the presence of illness in the world and the work of the enemy, or whatever it is, or your bad you know, habits or whatever, all the junk you ate, even 30 years, uh, when you find yourself, all of a sudden, you see. You discern what's real. Because all of a sudden, there's some stuff you were tripping. You, you understand what I'm talking about? Some of you are like are really concerned about silly stuff. You want, I'm not trying to, but you know, I know. You wonder what Chris Rock going to say at the Oscars today. Is he going to deal with the black stuff? You wondering what somebody so-and-so going to wear on the red carpet. You ain't going to watch it? Okay. I don't watch that. You, you're wondering about, you know, we, there's all kinds of things. And, we, you know, we got there's somebody on your 
Twitter feed, you wondering about what they're going to post next. You, you wondering what's up with Donald Trump's hair. You know, you, you got all kinds of things that's going on in your mind. That you, you, and, but some, when you get sick or when your child is in trouble or when there's something wrong with your money or when, when something happens, you know, all of a sudden all that stuff, you know, your, your field of vision gets narrower and all that stuff. And then you see the thing that really matters is, first of all, my relationship with God. The thing that really matters is my relationship with the people God has placed in my life. The things that really matter are God and people and not stuff and things. And not all the trivia. If you have time for all that stuff, it's wonderful. But sometimes you find yourself in a place where I really don't have, I don't have time for this. Because time might be short. So let me get about the things that are really worth being concerned about. And so it helps us to define, when we go through loss, we come to realize, first of all, that the greatest things in life are not things. The greatest things in life are relationships. And first of all, our relationship with our creator. And secondly, our relationship with one another. So then it challenges us, doesn't it, to build our lives on that which cannot be taken away from you. Paul says in verse 10, he says, on him I have set my hope. Remember that hymn we sing so often? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And so Jesus is the only thing, and he's not a thing, but he's a person, the only one that cannot be taken. You know, they can take everything you got. They can, they can, they can take your house. I say they, who's they? Oh, maybe with the man, no, whatever. The mortgage company can take your house. Uh, the IRS can take your other stuff. The car repossess auto can repossess it one more time so they can sell it for the fifth time. Um, they can take your they can take your jewelry. They can, you know, and if they find out that you plagiarized that paper, they can rescind your degree. I mean, anything in life can be taken from you, but there's one thing you can't take from me. You you can't take my savior. You can't take my relationship with God. You can, you can, you, you can strip me down and put me in a in solitary confinement somewhere. And I might, I'll probably go half crazy, but the one thing, I know, I'll be half crazy, but I'll be there and I'll have God on my side because you can't take God's love from anybody at any time. So, when going through, let's, let's bring this around. When going through a time of loss, there are a few things we need to do, right? First of all, allow... God to be our stability, our stabilizing factor. Uh, I love the, the language of the Old Testament, particularly the Psalms, because over and over in the Psalms, and in various places, God is referred to as, 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 as my rock. So what does that mean? Well, you know what that implies. If there's a big enough rock out here, it's going unless there's an earthquake, it ain't going nowhere. The wind does not normally blow boulders around. Something about rock, something about, about, about granite in the side of a mountain. There's something about that kind of mass, right? And God is that. He is our stability. He's our rock, our fortress, our deliverer. So we allow him to, you'll find, because when we're going through loss, I know there's, a, there's an innate time of instability. You know what I'm talking about? Where your mind is all over the place. I know, I sometimes, I, sometimes Hey, I let you know my you know, my world. Sometimes I said, sometimes I've actually said, Lord, I'm like all over the place. And he said, Yeah, I know. But you but you need to come back to the center and you need to stand with your feet firmly planted on the rock. And that's Jesus. That's God. So let him be your stability. Allow him in the midst of your loss to direct and to guide you. That's why it said in the Proverbs, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Allow him to direct you in that time. Allow, we need to allow him to deliver us through that season that we're going through. And again, some of you, my dear brothers and sisters, even in this moment, I know that, that your pain, maybe from what you've gone through recently, is very fresh. Or, or maybe you're suffering silently in a season of loss that no one knows about. Maybe you're 
you're looking at something that looms on the horizon and you fear the fact that, that there's something impending that may cause you to suffer loss. I want to challenge you to put your trust in God and, and allow him to, bring, to deliver you out of the loss, to deliver you through whatever it is you go through, to deliver you up and over it. You know, in, in the Psalms, uh, the psalmist where he said, you are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance whenever I am afraid. And then he, he concludes that I will trust in you. And we've got to get to that place because he is our deliverer. And so as we wrap this up, as we bring this to a conclusion this morning, in times of loss or times of gain, because we have those as well, don't we? Sometimes it seems like everything in the world is going wrong. And then sometimes for a moment it seems, don't you wish those times lasted longer than the other season that seemed to be interminable? And it seems like the, the, the happy seasons last about two hours and the trials last, you know, yeah. in reality, that's not true. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But yeah, nevertheless, you get the point. But in whatever, we need to rely upon Christ. Someone put it like this. The key to crisis control, y'all know about crises? That's the plural. Y'all know about that? They happen all the time, don't they? If you're a really dramatic person, they happen more than they need to. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, everything's a crisis. Like, yeah, go back to the one. They said in my seat at church, I had a crisis. But the key to, the key to crisis control is Christ control. Allowing Christ to rule and reign in your life and his peace to rule and reign in your heart will enable you to deal with the crises, with the challenges that you face. Going back up to verse 3 and 4 as we wrap this up, uh, it reminds us as he says, Jesus is the father of compassion. You hear what I'm saying here? Listen, I just let's take this out. I want you to get this before I'm done, before I sit down. Uh, he says, Jesus is the father of compassion. And that's why, that's why we saw, we read this in Bible study last Wednesday. We had a great time. We had 17 here last Wednesday night. We were in the word of second Peter fifth chapter. And listen, listen, that's why Peter at the end of that letter, he says, I need to remind you of something that no matter what you're going through and those Christians were going through some stuff. He said, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. God is somebody that's always concerned about your situation. He, so, he says he is the father of compassion. He, and the God, he says, of all comfort. Now, notice that he doesn't say he's the God of some comfort. He's the God that every now and then, because you know how some folks are, somebody, some of your relatives, every now and then they come along and hand you a dollar. And you know the people, you know the people you can't, just can't get no affirmation from? No matter how well you do, no, they just won't say you did good. And so you keep trying harder and harder and harder. Get over that. It ain't worth it. But, you know, but God's not like that. He's the God of all comfort in every situation. God is there with total comfort. And he comforts us, he says, in all, verse 4, of our troubles, not some I want, I want to, and as, as we finish this, I want you to understand this. No matter what it is you face in life, the comfort of God is there for you. He's the God of all comfort who comforts us in each and every situation, each and every trial, each and every challenge. God is the God of all comfort. He says, who could comfort us in, in, in our troubles so that we can comfort those. And that's talking now. You comfort, he comforts you so you can comfort others. He says, in any not just in some, but in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. A couple of things. I got to take this out, but let's uh, see. There's nothing that escapes the scope of God's comfort. You hear what I'm saying? There's nothing that's outside the dome, the, outside the, the umbrella of God's comfort. This, see, because sometimes you go through stuff and, and you say, well, I don't know if God cares about this. I don't, I don't know if, if any, you know, there's nothing you go through. No suffering, no loss, no trial, no grief that you encounter that, that the suffering of God, uh, that, the, that the comfort of God does not encompass and is not available to you no matter what it is at any time. And you don't, if you're not grateful for that, I'm grateful for you. Come on and give him a praise. And then a couple more things. I'm just about done. Comfort is commensurate with our struggles. Again, in verse five, he says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, 
You understand? Because you know, we talked about this in Bible study Wednesday night. Paul and Peter, they got this thing. And Paul particularly says, he's honored to be able to share in the sufferings of Christ, not in the redemptive way of adding to the atonement or something, but in the sense of if Christ died for me, then I'm, I'm, it's an honor to be able to take some pain for somebody that loved me so much he gave it all, right? And we should probably all feel that way to a certain extent. But here's, so he says, here's the deal. He says, we share abundantly. In other words, we got a lot of them in the sufferings of Christ. So also our comfort abounds through Christ. In other words, it's like this. Be careful of scale analogies because with regard to your sin, they're thrown out the window because of grace. Jesus tipped the scale inexorably towards your salvation. And so it's not, that's not if you do real good, you get to forget that. But this is, is worse. This is, a place good, good for, this is a good place for a scale. Some of you don't like scales. But this is a good place for a scale. Okay. It is a scale. So. Here comes your loss. Here comes your grief. It goes on that scale. And if, if it weighs 16 ounces, once a pound, it weighs 8 ounces, then God comes, he got 8 ounces of comfort, puts it right on there. And then, the, and, then, and, then, and then the forces in your life, things around you, the enemy or whatever, they say, okay, we're going to put some more on there. We'll put, we're gonna, this time we're going to put 12 ounces. Put that on there. More, more trouble, tr- struggle, more trouble. And then God says, that ain't, that ain't no thing. I got, I got comfort. I'm the God of all comfort, all compassion. There's another 12 ounces. At some point, God just gets through and just say, you know what? I'm going to put a ton of comfort on there. All you need is there. But you understand what I'm saying? No matter, what you, no matter what you encounter, no matter how much you go through, God will always match it with the appropriate comfort that you need. And then, finally, comfort. And I want you to get this because as we talk, as we talk church talk and community talk and family talk and, and relational talk, and you know, many, many of you, most of you know my, the way I do theology and the way I think about church in terms of doing life together, and I I, I don't believe there's much real church experience or New Testament Christianity apart from bodies of believers who are in, in, in accountable and committed relationships, right? But the wonderful thing about it is comfort is kind of like the flu. It's communicable. He says if we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. In other words, we look at our trials and realize, you know, we don't want to go through this. I don't, I don't want it. I'm not, you know, just trying to go through it. He says, but when we're going through it, that's okay, because what I'm going through is going to be good for Travis. Because then I'm going to be equipped so that when Travis, when, when, when he hits a rough patch, and he comes to me, I, I, I've been comforted by God. I can just, I can just pour him out some, because I know I've received it, and, and I, can, I can just allow it to flow through me. You know what he's saying? It's communicable. He says, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Now, as I, as I prepare to, to wrap this up, in fact, you, you guys can come on up here and band worship team people because we're going to get ready to wrap the service up. Somebody put, I'm going to give you a couple of things here. Somebody put it like this. God's comfort is not given, it is loaned. You get that? And you're expected to pass it on to others. And so I want to ask you this morning as we can conclude this message and prepare to transit, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do in the next few moments. We'll do something that that will probably get on your nerves, but I'm going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because I never go wrong when I do that. may make you mad, but I don't go wrong. Okay. Uh, But here's the thing. Just for a moment, as we kind of quiet ourselves, Who's in charge of your life? I, I, and I don't, I don't, don't, don't everybody say, Jesus. I don't want to. But think about it. Think about what you're experiencing. Think about where you've been. Think about where you're going. Think about who you're really allowing to, 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 to dictate the agenda. Who, who's, who's, who's leader? I mean, is it, is, it, is it Jesus or is it you? Is it Jesus or is it, are you allowing the forces around you to dictate your response? And this morning I would just challenge all of us because you're either going through a, a, period, a season of loss right now, and I know, I know that several of you are. I know personally. Either you, or you have, and I know a bunch of you, um, I, almost everybody I know has. Amen. Even if you, don't, if you don't know Leola's story, I mean, God, look at the comfort of God. Yeah. Come on. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Because you, and, and for the, if, you, if you don't know Leola, if you don't know her, she, her, her, her daughter, her daughter was, was, was murdered by a gang person on, over in South Central and in the, in the little area where, all, and she's had to, she's been through the trial and the, the killer was convicted. But you've talked about this, you never kept this in, see? You don't mind if I talk to her, right? Yeah, because some of you probably got tired of hearing her talk about it. But see, she's getting she's getting free, and moving on, and that's what happens when you do that, and when you get the support of people around you. You get the support of people around you. Just do this. Thank you. God bless you. God, uh, that's all right. That's amen. Now, well, that's what we that's what we're talking about. Now, this is what I, I want all of you to do. Thank you, Leola. I want all of you to... Would you stand for a moment, please? Now, I, some of you, if you're unfamiliar with this, with this activity, uh, those around you will help you. But just take... We're going to take about three to five minutes and break into groups of, say, three... Two to three, no more than that. And just, just briefly greet one another. Let's not have a lot of extraneous conversation. Greet one another and just ask the person that you're with... Or just you know share with them. How can I pray for you? What what's going on? What do you need? And 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 can we just allow the grace of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit in this room in this moment as we carry the burdens of one another in that act of prayer? Is that okay? Let's do it. We'll begin now. Just find somebody and uh, and uh, and just uh, allow the Lord to. And you guys, I'll give you a few minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 